Hello, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church family. This is Pastor Bryant Owens. Know that I miss you. I miss us gathering here in this sanctuary to worship together, to love together, to listen to God's Word and learn from God's Word together. I am praying for you this morning. Today is Good Friday. It is the day of the week leading up to Resurrection Sunday where we as the Christians in our Christian calendar and tradition remember the suffering and the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. It is a truth in Scripture. It is a story that actually happened that I think we must pause today and reflect prayerfully on it to understand exactly the weight that is bore here for our sin. Sin has a price. And as we read about the death of Jesus Christ, we see exactly what sin leads to. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama zabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening... There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut into a rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. Pray with me, please. Dear Father God, we pause after reading your word and we understand the gravity of this story that your son, Jesus Christ, who was perfect, sinless, innocent, suffered greatly because of us. Father, death is something that we have never really fully understood. All we know is that when death occurs, there is something that we experience that just does not feel right. And that's what we see here. And so, God, I pray today, this holiest of days 
in the Christian calendar, in our days of remembering the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that you would impart upon us an understanding of the gravity of our sin. And help us, Father God, to look toward hope that is coming in a couple of days as we remember the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who overcame death. Father, I pray that you would cause us not to take this lightly. Father, that you would teach us that our sin has a cost. And then teach us, Father, your love as a result. It is in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. We see here in Matthew's account of the last hours of Jesus Christ that Jesus had suffered a uh, unjust trial, had suffered punishment, scourging, to the point that many scholars say that no one could recognize Jesus as a human being. He was beaten so badly. And no human being could endure what he did. Jesus willingly nailed to the cross, hangs on a tree, for us, in shame and in suffering. This cross that we represent in the Christian tradition has great meaning. It's not just a piece of jewelry that looks pretty. It implies horrendous times. It implies horrendous suffering. It implies the the penalty of sin. And Jesus Christ, as He endures these final hours... We see the result of his death. It is darkness. It is fearful. It is torment. As we see in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, beginning in verse 45, at this point, when it comes to the sixth hour, we know that leading up to this, everything that Jesus endured in the chapters previous were just... Fulfillment of prophecies, of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 50, of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53, Zechariah's prophecy in chapter 11. Much of what Jesus endured that week was foretold. It was not a surprise to Jesus. It was not a surprise to his Father in heaven. He knew what was going to happen. But in chapter 27 of Matthew's gospel, beginning in verse 45, we see the result of Christ's death. All of the weight of humanity's sin, past, present, and future. Not just the sins of human beings leading up to this point of Christ's death and crucifixion, but all sin, even our sin today, that occurs now much farther in the future from Jesus' time here on the cross. All of humanity's sin throughout all of time is now being atoned for in this sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Look at what the result is here. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Imagine the day of this crucifixion. As Jesus is on the cross, darkness. It's as if the sun was blotted out. Can you imagine today, Good Friday, In the month of April of 2020, as beautiful as the weather is, as wonderful and warm as the sunshine is, especially 
considering the, the last few weeks of being isolated and sickness, can you imagine suddenly it going dark? That is the result of all of humanity's sin being laid upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Here in verse 46 of Matthew 27, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's exactly why the land was dark. That is exactly what was happening. It was God the Father turning his back on his son because the holiness of God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so all of man's sin is laid upon Jesus, who is innocent, who is the Father's Son, who has committed no sin, is now suddenly abandoned by the holiness of God. This is what is necessary for the atonement to occur. Everything is dark. Whenever we experience death in our families, when a loved one goes on, we enter into a season of darkness, of grief, of sorrow. And that's what we see here as well. God the Father turns his back upon his son because he cannot see the sin. He turns, and Jesus feels abandonment as if his father is no longer there. And then we see here reactions from the crowds. We see a couple of different reactions. The first we see is mockery. Verse 47, and some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah, verse 48. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. Verse 49, but the others said, wait, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. There were some in the crowd here who were seeing this as a spectacle. Wait, let's see what Jesus is going to do. Oh, he's crying out for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes. They were more excited about the possibility of Elijah, a long dead prophet coming back, than they were to see Jesus Christ who is atoning for their sin. And then there were others who were mocking him as if it was a sideshow. Hey, let's just wait and see what happens. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. Is that not how we approach death now? That death is a spectacle. It's now a form of entertainment. It's, oh, let's wait and see what happens. We are somehow just morbidly infatuated with death and suffering. If we're spectators and watching it, it becomes fun. It becomes, I mean, we we are just enamored with the possibility of pain and suffering of others. But it was Jesus Christ who who was on this cross, who was nailed there for a reason. It was out of love and compassion for us. And as Jesus yields up his spirit in verse 50, he cries out his last breath. Perhaps there was the death rattle as he breathed his last. Now Matthew's gospel has a section of description here that none of the other gospels have. Verses 51 through 54 of Matthew 27 tells us the the ramifications of Jesus' death here. Look here in verse 51. 
And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Wow, now think, think about that. How many deaths do you know that resulted in this kind of an outcome? The, the, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple from the entrance of the temple as you were coming into the temple to atone for the people's sins, as you were coming into the temple to come into the presence of God, there was a section of the temple that God set apart just for His presence. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was, was placed, but there was a curtain there that was a protective barrier between God's wrath and the sin of people. And as at the point of Jesus' final breath, we see here in Matthew's gospel that he tells us that that curtain was just ripped in two. It was as if the barrier between God and sinful man was suddenly removed. The earth shook. The rocks split open. The tombs released the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep before. I'm telling you what, there was something about this moment of death that was overwhelming. It was not just a normal death. What is it about death that brings such wonderful stories to light here? I mean, on one thing, on one hand, it's terrifying to hear these. On the other hand, it's, it's amazing to ponder the result. In verse 54 of Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, we see the response of all of these events. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. See, we have to stop here and think that there was the, there's this dichotomy, this tension here that's occurring between the nature of divinity within Jesus and the nature of humanity within Jesus. If Jesus was truly God then you would assume that his, the de- possibility of death was not there. That if he was truly God, he was never going to die because God is eternal. Yet, Jesus does die, so some would logically conclude that he was not fully God at all. He was just a man, and he was just like you and me. But I don't know about you, at the point of my loved one's death, I have never seen this kind of a reaction where the the... the where curtains are ripped, earthquakes occur, and people come up out of the grave. You see, Jesus' divinity and Jesus' humanity are at work here. Not only is he human and evidenced by the fact that his life ends, that is the ultimate end for all humanity, that we will eventually die. That right there is evidence that he was fully human, and he yielded up his spirit in verse 50. But then the evidence of his death and the results of that is a testimony to all who are around exactly of Jesus' divinity because this is what the centurion said in verse 54, truly this was the Son of God. You see, we have to see here exactly what Jesus is doing. When speaking of Christ, The problem is that we often separate him apart from God and apart from man. It's almost as if we take Jesus and we think of him as this third-party mediator. You know, 
He's somehow between God and between us as human beings. He's not really fully God and he's not really fully human. He's just this mediator between us. And we think of him as this third party person who is just not fully engaged. But he is both God and he is both man. And this is the problem that we've got. That God himself took on human flesh, stepped into the human condition for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to sacrifice and pay the penalty for sin. Now we see that Jesus, as he dies on the cross, there is something here that is very important. There was a tradition in Jewish law that said when someone dies, a criminal, when a criminal is convicted and charged uh, with death, that there was a process to deal with the body. Look here in Matthew 27, beginning in verse 57. When it was evening, there, what, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. There was an urgency here to make sure that Jesus' body was not just left out into the, in the open as a, a criminal. The body needed to be dealt with efficiently and quickly due to the Mosaic law. If you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21, Deuteronomy chapter 21, this chapter in the Mosaic law deals with how to, uh, how to deal with criminals from murder to inheritance to rebellion to even how you deal with female prisoners. But Deuteronomy chapter 21, beginning in verse 22, we see the Mosaic law that directs exactly what to do with the criminal's body. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you, for an inheritance. Now, why would a criminal who was put to death be hung on a tree to begin with? It would be a public execution. It would be a public statement to all citizens. This is the result of the crime, so do not do this. But instead of leaving the body hanging out in the public for the animals to desecrate, God said, honor the body and bury it, because to leave a body hanging on a tree out in public to just rot is a desecration to God. Because it says in Deuteronomy that a hanged man on a tree is cursed by God. That helps us even understand further the ramifications of Jesus' death in Matthew 27. Jesus the Son, when he died, When he breathed his last, he was cursed by God. That's a powerful thought to think about, isn't it? That is the result of sin, really. If you and I think about this, our sin leads to that very conclusion that our sin 
causes God to look upon us with disdain. But then there is something true about the Christian gospel that helps us think this through even deeper. If it is true that our sin separates us from God, if it is true that the penalty of sin is death, and and death is something that God does not want, if he sees a dead criminal hanging on a tree, that body is now cursed by God, so please deal with it, hide it, bury it. That is the result of our sin. If we are still in our sins, then really our bodies are cursed as God sees it. But it is Jesus Christ here and His death on the cross that's really profound. Jesus did not sin. He had no sin in His ledger. Yet His body was seen as a curse by His Father in heaven, intentionally, by choice. That is the impact of this day, this Good Friday, as we remember the end of the Passion Week, that our Savior, Jesus Christ, died on the cross in humility and shame. But then there were those who loved Jesus enough, who respected Him enough, like Joseph of Arimathea, who buried the body in his own property. Tonight is a night that many in the Christian tradition will practice what is called a Seder. May I encourage you at home to take this time to meditate and to think on this story and perhaps even share a communion meal in your family to show that the body is the body of brokenness, that the blood is going to be spilled for us. Our sin has a cost, and Jesus Christ himself was the sacrifice. He paid the price. He atoned for our sin in a very painful and shameful way. Tonight is a night that we would so we, we would actually embrace and experience the grief right along with our Christian brothers and sisters, the disciples of Jesus at this time, as we read the gospel narratives. They suffered in grief and isolation. We are at home in isolation this weekend. Perhaps we may ponder the grief of thinking of the death of our Savior. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord Almighty, we we thank you, Father, for your word. The truth of this story of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross, is a story that we can look upon as entertainment because it has become part of Christian storytelling. Death has become just a spectator sport for us. But once we experience it and feel it, we know it is much deeper. The isolation of one's soul from loved ones is overwhelming. And God, I pray 
that you would cause us to see the pain that you endured as the father watching your son suffer and the pain that your son Jesus Christ endured as he cried out feeling your abandonment. Lord, that is overwhelming. Help us, Father, to see exactly where our sin leads, and this is it. Cause us to see exactly your love for us despite this tragic, grief-stricken end. I pray for all who are listening to this message today, God. I pray that they would soak in the truth of your Scripture. Please deal with each and every one of us in our spirits today, this Good Friday. Prepare our hearts to celebrate with joy as we fully grasp and understand the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. May God bless you and may He keep you safe until we can come back again.